Good afternoon. Welcome to the Saints and Alumni Show. I'm Colin O'Reilly, class of 2012. And today we are grateful to have a class of 1980 alum. Dan Rutnick, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You've been a local resident, 518 native your entire life. Your father was a Siena graduate. Your brother was a Siena graduate. You've had kids come to Siena. Siena's in your blood. You bleed green and gold. And you know, from Siena College, you went to Albany Law School. You ended up over at ACO, like so many Siena graduates as well after you. And you stayed there for about 20 years before kind of going into your own business. And today I'm really excited to hear your Siena story. And I want to thank you again for coming on 88.3 FM. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. And it's a great pleasure to be on. Well, great. So I'm guessing this is your first time on WVCR. That, that it is. I've listened on, you know, to it for many, many years. I guess I'm of an age where the music appeals to me. Yeah, absolutely. We are that station that plays anything. So you got to get the right time slot to get the right type of music, I guess. But uh, thanks again for coming on the show. And when was the last time you were on uh, five, at 515 Loudon Road? Uh, let me see. Obviously, with COVID, you don't get on there as often. I've been able to do a lot in recent years with the Stack Center. A oh, couple great. of years ago, I was fortunate enough to be named Entrepreneur of the Year. So I went through presentations on campus. I went through the ceremony and I've attended the subsequent ceremonies on campus. Um, my two sons are graduating in May. Um, oh, terrific. Uh, on campus occasionally with them. So it's more often than it had been for many years, um, but not as much as I'd like with COVID. Gotcha. Well, obviously, uh, we're in our last stages of kind of keeping people away from our campus. We're looking forward to inviting you back over the summer and then eventually in the fall for a big reunion as well. But uh, just wanted to say, you know, obviously the campus is very welcoming. I'm a local 518 native myself. And going back to your time growing up, I know a lot of local alumni always hear their kids, uh, you know, they have kids that eventually end up going to Siena or their parents went to Siena. So it ends up being that school that's usually five on the list but ends up creeping up to number one. When you were going through high school, did you always know you wanted to end up at Siena or was it a part of the search process and you eventually landed on it? I mean, I hate to admit it, but I never really had much of a search process. I think I had identified Siena as my destination early on. It fit all my needs. As you mentioned, I've had, my dad came, went to Siena. I've had uncles, cousins and like, I was very familiar with the school. And while I lived on campus, it was still close. So you can sneak home for weekends and what have you. So you were away from home, but still in the community in which I felt the most comfortable. So no, I don't even, I don't even recall. And it was many, many years ago that I even applied anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. And actually, I feel like during that time period too, you kind of had the local school. It, was, it wasn't really going away at the time, especially in this area with so many different options. But uh, when you, you came into Siena College in 1976 with a political science degree and I was laughing in your uh, write-up of just your thought process on choosing that major, because I think a lot of students, when they're going, if they know they want to be a lawyer, they think poli-sci is the way they have to go. And it ends up, it, you, you mentioned that it was beneficial for you. You know, looking back, you knew, obviously it, it was something you could have gone down to become a lawyer, but you didn't have to, but you ended up appreciating it. Yes. I mean, I was, you know, I think I described myself as an unguided high school student and I'm sure I spoke to guidance counselors and the like, but I have a number of relatives, not immediate family members that were local attorneys, it seemed like an interesting profession, a cool job. So I kind of decided early on that that's where my profession would be or what it would be. Then looking at Siena, it was exactly that. What does it take to get into law school? Political science seemed like the path to get there. 
Um, it wasn't necessary, obviously, in hindsight, I could have done any number of other, other things, but it was a great path. I truly enjoyed it. Met some great you know, friends at school, had wonderful professors, and it really prepared me in a lot of ways that it taught me to think, it taught me to interpret, which are skills that carry on to this day. That's great. And, and you also mentioned that you, you still are close with Dr. Cutler. I see him periodically when I'm on campus. It's been, and I'll age us both, it's been over 40 years since I graduated. So it's been quite some time. I don't expect that there's too many other professors still on campus that crossed paths with me that long ago. Mm -hmm. It's comforting to see a familiar face. Yeah, I got to ask because I, I took Dr. Cutler's class as well, Tuesday, Thursdays at 8 a.m. And I'm curious, he was earlier on in his Siena career when you took him. Was he always teaching the Socratic method back then where you just kind of were always put on the spot and expected to answer questions? Do you remember? That I do remember, yes. And that was good training for law school because that's the approach they use in law school. So uh, I, I was exposed to it early, kind of learned to think quick and on my feet. And I learned early on with both Dr. Cutler and then professors I had in law school is it's, it's not a challenge. They're not trying to embarrass you. They're trying to guide your thinking and carry you from an unformed opinion to a formed opinion. So it was, it was a cooperative and intentionally kind process. It just didn't seem that way so, all so often when you were called upon. I, I, I had a similar experience and Dr. Cutler was always great about that. If you ever, if you ever got kind of stuck and you, and you just saw the, you know, the blind lights and you just didn't know what to say, it, it obviously felt embarrassing in the moment, but he would always catch you after class and be like, great job. Here's where, here's why I'm pushing you. And, you know, not to, you know, your, your sons probably know this too, but you know, there's this thing called rate my professor. And when you go on and select your courses for the next semester, you can look up all the professors and see former ratings from the students. And before I took Dr. Cutler, I was interested in going to law school and he, you, you start to read his reviews and there's a lot of negative ones, but then you see every three to four, it's usually someone that's in law school or a graduate of law school saying, listen, if you want to be a lawyer, you got to go through Dr. Cutler. He's going to prepare you. And if you don't want to take that, if you don't want to be a lawyer, don't take Dr. Cutler. But if you do, he's going to get you ready. And I think anyone who's gone into law school, tier one, two or three, I really agree that he's helped prepare students. Right. And, and there was also Dr. Roberti back when I was there, yeah. who actually left not long after I did and went on to law school. So he oh, really? law school and then and as I understand it, pursued a career in law. Gotcha. He too was excellent in guiding me back then. So you lived on campus. I did as well, even though I was local, you know, and it didn't really feel like I was, while I knew I was close to home, I didn't really feel like I had to go home or it was like, because I think a lot of local students will sometimes say, I don't want my parents to come on campus and, you know, you know, have access to me. Would you, have you been ever jumping on campus to bother your sons when they're not expecting you? Well, uh, both of my, neither of my sons actually live on campus. Oh, okay. Uh, my older son, Drew, is graduating this year. He went through a couple of, you know, on his, a couple of majors on his path there. So he's a couple of years older, has his own apartment. And my youngest son moved home with COVID and just decided he preferred the at-home experience. So now I otherwise would strongly avoid trying to embarrass them. <laughs> they don't need dad on campus. It was bad enough when I was you know, named an entrepreneur of the year Apparently, my face was on the TV screen around campus periodically as they would do the come ups for the upcoming presentation, and that would humiliate them. <laughs> well, obviously, when we do those receptions again back on campus, you know, are they both graduating this year? You said? Yes, they um, happen to align where they're both graduating in May. All right, well, then we won't have to worry about embarrassing them again when we invite you back. That's a good thing, at least. 
But, uh, you know, that's also a thing with a lot of local students where they feel like they can't go to the school that's close to home. But then eventually, sometimes when they end up going away and they feel like this isn't exactly what I expected, they sometimes find their way back to Siena. And I, I'm glad that we, are, we have a great transfer process for a lot of students. But while you were a student at Siena, did, you know, you knew you wanted to go on the, the law track. Did you know, always know it was Albany Law that you were going to end up going on to? Or did you have a couple of different options outside of Albany at the time? I had options and I actually pursued the, you know, exact opposite approach, whereas going to Siena was the only choice. When I was at Siena, I thought I need to experience life or thought I did. And I'm a big basketball fan. I've been a season ticket holder for Siena since the days when they were on campus at the Arc. Oh, so yeah. predates the Times Union Center. Center. So I looked, I think, at the NCAA term basketball tournament that year, picked a handful of schools that all had good programs, Notre Dame, North Carolina, and a few others, applied to all of them, was accepted at all of them, and nevertheless still stayed in Albany. That's great. And did you go right after Albany Law? Obviously, so it's always funny when you, when I went to work at ACO, I was surprised with how many, you know, account managers were lawyers. It, it, it's almost like a third if, if you go through the whole, you know, department that I was in. And I'm, I'm curious, what was your initial, you know, connection into being like, I want to go into finance outside of, you know, use my law degree, but use that towards a financial uh, career? Um, yeah, that's yet another kind of accident. When I did the entrepreneur program and I made a presentation to the students, I described myself as the accidental entrepreneur. Virtually nothing in my life was planned. It happened. So I was attending Albany Law School. Um, I kind of came to a conclusion fairly early on that I never wanted to be a classic courtroom attorney. Yeah. So I was running up against the fact that I didn't really know how I wanted to use that degree. And my second year there, I was talking to a third year student who had been accepted at ACO. And she was all excited, talked about what they do. and. I had long had an interest in finance from dating back to taking a handful of accounting courses at Siena along the way. So I applied and was hired for God knows what reason, but they hired me and it was instant heaven. I truly found what I was good at and what I could make a career out of. And from that point forward, there was no other option to me. I That's great. the internship program at ACO, was quickly hired full time and ended up staying there 20 years. And I have a lot of friends, parents that ended up, you know, doing the same thing. They started out there. And that's why I initially went to ACO is because, you know, everyone that goes there stays there. And it's a great place to grow. They give you plenty of opportunity. And everywhere you look, there's someone Sienna as well. So I'm guessing you had a lot of green and gold in that office when you were there too. It was ironic at one point, you know, I, I lived on Tui Ryan when I was on campus. Mm -hmm. And there were four of us from the wing who crossed paths at ACO, you know, over a period of a couple of years. And this was inadvertent. We yeah. didn't also share the same major. We made no plans, but it was a good destination. And there's only one left, Rich Coglin. I mean, Brad Bodmer, who you know well, was there with me both at Siena and at ACO, and uh, Pat Berry, and actually, um, and Rich Coglin was there now, yeah. So, I mean, it was four of us at one point, which was really a weird experience. Well, you know what? It's just you find your way. And I think when, as we do more of these interviews, we're hearing that from a lot of alumni where you can set any plan you want going into college, but it's going to change and you have to be kind of open to it and kind of see where your passion lies. And you only find that out through trial and error and actually doing the experiences to see what you like and what you don't. And you you hit the nail on the head. You found you found your path right away as soon as you got to ACO, which is terrific to hear, too. Right. 
Uh, well, hey, I hate to do this, but we actually are unfortunately in time constraints here. Do, can we have you hang out for another 10 to 15 minutes? We just have to go to break really quick. Uh, I'd be very happy to. Well, thank you so much, Sam. We appreciate you having you on. And you're listening to the Saints and Alumni Show here on WVCR 88.3 The Saint. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Saints and Alumni Show. I'm Colin O'Reilly, class of 2012. And today, again, we are joined by Dan Rutnick, class of 1980. And earlier in the show, we were just talking about his 20-year stint at ACO before, you know, kind of deciding where he was going to go out on his own. And again, Dan, thanks for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. I'm happy to be on. Now, uh, we were just talking about ACO and just, you know, you grew there, you found your love for your career. At what point in the process, you know, you spent 20 years at ACO, and this is good for other, you know, future alumni who might be graduating and going into a career where they feel like they might have to stay in a certain company for so long before they end up moving, or they might decide, you know, I'm going to go here for a year, go here for a year. You know, what made you end up wanting to stay for so long? And then what ended up was, what was the driving force to make you want to go off on your own from ACO? I stayed for a long time because I really enjoyed the people I worked with and the work I did. And by that point, I was firmly entrenched as being an Albanian. I was not going anywhere. And there really weren't at then significant alternative opportunities around here. Mm -hmm. So I stayed for that. I left eventually after 20 years for a few reasons. You know, nothing is ever as simple as it sounds. Um, geographically, I established myself living in Delmar. I was raising a family and they kept moving the office further and further away from me to make it a little bit more uncomfortable. Um, for the commute, uh, at my last stint, I was up in Boston Spa. Uh, they were also in the midst of negotiating their eventual sale to Goldman Sachs. And I thought that that was going to alter the nature of the company. And my skill set was always being handling complex problems, not so much you know, on the investment side of things. And I just concluded that it would, the time was right. I wanted to spend more time with my young family then. I wanted to be closer to home. And I wanted to do things my own way. And I felt you can stay with an organization, become a malcontent, and really not benefit either side, or you can make the break. So I chose to make the break. I started my own company called Bender Lane Advisory. And my home street address, excuse me? Was that like, was it exciting? Was it terrifying? You know, it's a big, you're gambling on yourself, which is good. But at the same time, how did you feel when you decided at that point, like, all right, I'm going to bet on myself? Was it, were you excited? Were you nervous? A little bit of both? All of the above. I mean, I was <laughs> excited and nervous. I knew that there were certain clients that would follow me. So I wasn't going to start from no money. That's good. So I could pay the bills. I never been motivated by money. So it didn't really concern me that I might have not made as much as I did at ACO. And I literally went off and I was a one man band. I worked out of my home basement. As I started to mention, Bender Lane was my home street, or is my home street address in Delmar. I named it after that. Stayed home for about a year, then realized that having three young children playing outside my door all the time was a little bit you know, unprofessional. So I ended up moving into office space where I shared a space with a, another friend of mine who had also left ACO. Built the business up after three or four years. The phone started ringing. More of my former clients wanted to come along. So we started to hire people and grew and grew and grew from just me to well over 20 people, you know, about four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just a great ride. We were doing the things we liked to do. We had a very successful business and I was able to surround myself with wonderful people. That's fantastic. And, you know, the one thing that I always find, you know, exciting is when you can do something that you love to do and it just keeps kind of 
going the right way for you. Whereas sometimes you might decide to bet on yourself and you might face an issue early on. It could have you think to yourself, maybe I'm going on the wrong path. You have that self-doubt, but when it goes well, it's easy to kind of think that way where it's like, oh, I'm doing the right thing. It's, it, you know, I should keep doing what I'm doing because it's working. You know, as you're growing, do you, do you feel like there was one thing that kind of was consistent in your work that led to your former clients wanting to come back, you know? And I, I think that's kind of what I think is a good message for, let's say, future graduates of Siena going out into the workplace. What was one theme that kind of was consistent that kind of made you, it, it just worked so well for you? Um, well, I think there's two aspects of it. The one thing, running your own business is a healthy sense of paranoia. But if you ever let down, you know, things could disappear in a moment. Nice. So you always want to make sure that you're giving your clients the best experience possible so they never have any desire to leave. And that really was, I think, our strong suit. And by then, it clearly was an R. It was far from just me, you know, surrounded by a great group of people. Every day you went in knowing that our clients voluntarily choose to work with us. And if you let them down, they might choose to work with somebody else. So continuing to provide a quality service, you know, priced fairly and Fortunately, we're in a financial services industry where fees are high, so the remuneration was there, the, the money was there to pay the bills. But I think it's all a focus on quality and attention to the client needs and doing what they need when they need it and never letting them down. When you started to go off on your own and you were looking for office space and you were doing your own company, what type of involvement did you have uh, possibly with Sienna? Now, I, I, I don't know if there, what answer is coming to this. So I'm just kind of hopeful that maybe you were working with some Sienna people along the way too. Um, was not early on. It was kind of a, you know, self-led process. As I mentioned before, I, another close friend of mine had also left ACO. Right. And while we never merged or combined our entities, we always shared space. And we went out, searched for space, did our own lease negotiations. We probably did it poorly probably wouldn't far better off hiring a Sienna grad. And then ultimately we work with some, you know, professionals. I mean, presently we're in space at Stuyvesant Plaza in the tower and we did hire people to do that. I honestly can't say whether they were Sienna grads or not, but we're a couple of floors up from UHY and I know there's a lot of Sienna grads. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So you, you see the green and gold in your building, which is, which is. Yes, absolutely. And they work for us or with us. So we work with green and gold on a daily basis. Fantastic. Now, now I got to ask you, you know, it's no longer Bender Lane Advisory. So you, you, you kind of move into this new space. I There's some announcements coming up. It's now Great Point, I believe, right? That's correct. Um, we were Bender Lane for many, many years, operating as a what's called in the industry a multifamily office. We would do financial planning for extremely wealthy people, unfortunately not many from the, from the area, but we would work with very high net worth families. A few years ago, I had a chance meeting with another ex-ACO person, Dan Nolan, prominent in the local community. You know, he's a philanthropist. He was former co-owner of the Empire, sadly departed Empire. Mm -hmm. um, and Dan was president of Hugh Johnson Advisors, an iconic local firm doing investment management. One thing led to another, and we decided to combine the two firms. And it really was a wonderful merger because we combined our financial planning skills with their investment skills and at scale and the like, but we knew from the first day that neither former name fit. We were known for what we did, which was multifamily office. They were known for investment management. So from the very, very beginning, we knew we needed to rebrand because we wanted a single identity that encompassed everything we did. And just a couple months ago, well, we settled upon the name Graypoint. It was a torturous process, but we got there. We're really excited. 
We've had a lot of positive feedback, both in terms of our website, new taglines, all the branding elements we've put in place. And henceforth, we're Great Point, not Bender Lane Advisory, not Hugh Johnson Advisors. We're one firm. If, if it's any you know thing to you at all whatsoever, I do love the name Great Point. It Thank sticks. you. It's a strong name. It is like when a friend tells you you know their baby's name's you know Autumn, you're like good it's good it's very nice it's it's a season too but you know you, you you don't say that right away i'm saying though great point very strong um now moving forward one thing i realized before coming back to development i just want to get your opinion on this i realized that a lot of companies in finance now are still are trying to attract people not from the finance industry and you know back when you were at aco they were only hiring lawyers at the time too same similar type of situation what do you think the change is in that industry where maybe uh, you don't have to go to college for finance anymore to go into finance, or maybe you should have a, a more well-rounded background? I think the more well-rounded people tend to make exceptional employees. The key is going to an organization that has a training program that can develop you if you don't have the collegiate experience or the prior work experience. So looking at an ACO, there's a lot of tax work involved. So having an accounting background is useful, but I was a poli-sci major and at my peak, I could do tax work as well as anybody. I learned the craft, both through training at ACO and then development of myself. So I think you can come to the field from a variety of majors, but just know that you're gonna be a little bit behind with the training curve and you need to make that up either through programs offered through the school or self-study, or I'm sorry, through your employer or self-study, but no, anyone can be successful in the finance field, irrespective of background. It's probably true of a lot of fields. You know, I mentioned, you know, earlier to someone that little in my academic background led me to where I am today. I was a political science major and a law, you know, student, and I don't practice law and I'm not involved in politics, but they taught me to think, they developed my mind, and I was then able to use whatever skills I had to become successful at what I did. So in the context of finance, absolutely. You can take any major and be successful. You just have to make sure that you put in the time and effort to fill in the base so you have the skills that are needed. Wonderful, I, I couldn't agree more. And we've got a couple more minutes here. So I just wanna ask you two more questions. Sure. Um, one would be, yeah, since you're alumni, you've been a season ticket holder for years. You're a Sienna parent, you're a legacy as well. What is one of your favorite things about just being a member of the Sienna community? I really enjoy the closeness of the community. Once you're a Sienna person, you're always a Sienna person. And I run into so many Sienna people and I have so many Sienna people among my circle of friends. And it's both personal and professional. My former Sienna cohort are always calling me up with tips on key employees. You really have to go hire this person. We've even had business leads come out of them that I know somebody that fits your model, they know what we do and you should go see them. It's the closeness of the Sienna community um, and the supportiveness of the Sienna community that really stands out. And I'm sure other colleges have somewhat similar traits, but I just know from my experiences in Sienna, it's a marked and noticeable you know, effect. Well, that, that's, that's the sound clip for this episode when we promote it next week. So that's perfect. I'll use that. And uh, I like to ask everybody this just to put you on the spot for a second, but what questions do you have for me? Um, Let's see, uh, how is the school doing? You know, how is the development going of the student population? Any new plans for, I know we added the MBA program not too long ago. Any ideas of new master's programs? 
Yes. So one, just to answer your most recent question, we have two master's programs we're currently working on. One is a master's of social work. Another one is also a master's in nursing. So we're hoping to be the first school in the capital district to have a master's in nursing program. That's all coming up within the next five years in our master plan and our strategic plan that we're putting together. But once we go into campaign, all the initiatives that we're setting up now, we're hoping to come to fruition. And it really launches CNN to that new phase that I mean, when I graduated, we didn't have communications, our third biggest major. We didn't have nursing, our second biggest major. So, you know, these are things that, you know, we're changing so much. It's great to see the growth. And in the last year when private schools across the country really suffered, Siena had gains. So we're doing really well financially, which is good. We're looking to bring in one of our biggest freshman classes ever for the second year in a row. So I'm not saying I had anything to do with it. I had nothing to do with it. I'm giving it all to admissions, but there, the, the, it's working. Things are going great for us. Soon to be the Gonzaga of the East. <laughs> That's my favorite. I tell people. Perfect. Well, Dan, thank you again for coming on the Saints and Alumni Show. We really appreciate having you on. And next time we have you on, we're going to have you do it in studio on campus, hopefully for a reunion. Very good. It's my great pleasure. And I appreciate you know, the, you're asking. Absolutely. Well, you're listening to 88.3 The Saint. This is The Saints and Alumni Show every Friday at 4.30 p.m. It can also be found on YouTube to catch the video stream and WVCR.com and iHeartRadio as well. You're listening to 88.3 The Saint, the station where we play anything. Go Saints!